Hey everybody, Mark DeSalvo here and welcome to the DeSalvo Performance Hour. Quick housekeeping to get out of the way. By the time you're listening to this, I don't think there'll be a problem, but the podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. But if you ever have any problems, the podcast first always will go on the SoundCloud. So check out either DeSalvoPerformanceTraining.com or just search DeSalvo Performance Hour on SoundCloud and you'll find it. Uh, with that out of the way, let's talk about today's guest. Uh, today's guest is a guy who uh, I've gotten, I've had the pleasure to get, have gotten to know over the past probably about two years now, maybe less. Uh, he's a guy who's a competitor in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, he also owns a very uh, up-and-coming Jiu-Jitsu apparel and equipment brand called Focus Brand. You'll see that particularly on a lot of uh, lower belts rather than black belts if you watch any competition videos or you know, go on Instagram, YouTube and whatnot. And that was actually by design. We get into that in the interview today and I did not know that. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, but the real reason I wanted to have him in was because in the time I've gotten to know him, almost immediately I could tell that he was kind of cut from a different cloth. He's very tough mentally, but also very kind and just very persistent. He is what I would consider kind of the consummate athlete or the person who possesses the mentality you need to be in order to be successful as an athlete and in his case now a coach um, because he is also now a teacher at Master Sky of Brooklyn uh, the school of uh, a former guest of ours Alex Eklund on episode number one so you can check back to that so if you wonder who Alex and Van and these first names we drop are they're probably related to Master Sky so without further ado I'll just introduce my guest so you can listen to it, enjoy it, really soak it up. It was a great conversation. Uh, I was really glad and uh, privileged to be able to listen and understand kind of what makes him him. So without any further ado, even though I've said that already and I was lying to you before, but I'm not lying now, honest, Ruth Child St. Germain. I have a lot of people who I talk to, coaches, other young athletes or young coaches, because primarily what I, you know, what I do is strength and conditioning. So. Yeah. I, you know, as I've gotten older now, people will reach out to me, which is a funny feeling being like, you know, over 30 now and people just getting out of college or wanting to go to college to do this. And they're always looking like kind of what should I be doing? What should I, you know, where should I spend my time? And I feel like you are a great example of, of how you should conduct yourself if you're <laughs> going to work hard because you have the apparel and jujitsu brand to focus what you're wearing right now so we'll make sure we get that on uh, on, on Thank camera you. Thank you. Um, you you're a very active competitor and you teach um, and I love your attitude too because it's it's everyone knows you're working hard all the time and I think that for me maybe that's just a product of like where I come from how I grew up but I think it's always better to just be showing people your results and it's not an emotional thing and you always have a smile on your face too so that's what I think is um, I don't think people could model themselves better, like young athletes, better than kind of what you're doing. And that's why, uh, you know, um, I wanted to have you here and talk to you and kind of get inside your brain a little bit. So, Thank you so yeah. much for having me. Dude. Definitely. I, I appreciate that. You yeah. know, um, and, and like you said, in, in terms of working hard for me, um, it doesn't feel like I'm working hard at all. Mm -hmm. I always feel like I can do more. Right. You know, and then I would have Alex tell me, like, RC, just chill, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got this. But, um, yeah, I, I, um, I, I do the things that I enjoy. Right. Consistently, mm -hmm. you know, um, as much as I can. And right. if I don't enjoy it, I don't want to even get into it. Yeah. Because I have that thing where I'm, I don't really like to quit. Yeah. So if I don't enjoy it from the beginning, I'm like, okay, this is not for me. I'm just gonna yeah go another way. Right, right. But um, in terms of jujitsu, um, focus brand apparels, it's not work at all. Right. You know, and and, and um, I think one time I was listening to Paul Schreiner, and, and that was a jujitsu uh, podcast, and then he talked about how jiu-jitsu is no longer external of mm -hmm. who he is interesting and i'm at that point yeah i wake up i brush my teeth i train that's it yeah, yeah. <laughs> <There's> a, that's <laughs> yeah. it I, I train i go to master sky early right um i clean up 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I make sure things are where they're supposed to be. If Alex is teaching, his van is teaching, I'm, I'm there. Right. You know, that's usually after Marcelo's in the afternoon, mm-hmm. Master Skya at night. Right. You know, sometime I train at Skya. Mm-hmm. Um, sometime I just uh, help out. I right. just love to be in that environment. Yeah, you know I'm saying? definitely. So I, I always do a little bit more than is required. I don't have a job description. It's not a job. Right, right. I don't have a job description, but I know what needs to be done. So right. So I make sure they are done. Yeah, yeah. You know? I think that's... that You're saying a version of something that I hear a lot of people say who are either successful athletes coaching or just successfully generally is that you really you modify your day but you never miss it so that you said the training just becomes a part of you you're just you know yeah you might be a little beat up that day so okay maybe I'm not gonna roll 15 extra minutes but I'm still showing up to drill I'm still showing up and I think um, it's it's always interesting to pick these things out and it's kind of one of the reasons I like to ask some of these questions because I the more people I have on and I get to talk to, it's like you, you see these commonalities, you see these common traits amongst people that sure. um, they say it different ways, but it's the, at, the, at its core, it's the same thing. You're so right. It's cool. You're yeah. right. I agree with you. Definitely, definitely. I agree with you. So when did you, we just were talking before the podcast, you've been training jiu-jitsu for five years. Um, where did you start or where, how did you get into it? Um, I, I, I did a little bit of wrestling in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wasn't a great wrestler, but uh, my senior year I was number two in Brooklyn. Oh, I was cool. just Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and then I, when I was choosing colleges, mm-hmm. I went to college up in Western New York, mm-hmm. Alfred State College. Uh-huh. That's around Buffalo, Rochester area. Okay. And when I was picking colleges, I make sure all of them had a wrestling program. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> that was my only purpose. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, Go yeah. Go to college to uh-huh. wrestle. So I went to Alfred State, um, started wrestling, and then I sustained an injury. Um, and then that kind of derailed, you know, that, that wrestling um, path, I, I guess. Right. Because the thing is, with that injury, I, I couldn't be on my feet as much, like oh, side-to-side shuffles. Right. You know, uh, that was problematic. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, well, I have to do something. Right. That's gonna be a that requires that's gonna require me to be less on my feet. Yeah. But still maintain a good pace, a good intensity. Right. And then I'm like, oh, in jujitsu, you can pull guard. Right. Yeah. You can work <laughs> off your back. You right. Can you can pull guard. On your back. Yeah. You don't have to be standing. Yeah. Yeah. And that was it. Nice. You know, it's it's easy on the knees yeah. to some degree. Yeah, to some you know, degree. in yeah, terms yeah. of standing. Right. Yeah. And um, that was it. Mm-hmm. And in 2014, um, I graduated college, um, moved back to Brooklyn in 2014, uh-huh. and then I started training at a school right next to Master Skyers mm-hmm. in downtown. Right, uh, yeah. Brooklyn Martial Arts. Right, I've seen that place before, yeah. yeah it's been there a while, Martial yeah. Arts. Mm-hmm. Um, my old instructor was Pete Larson. Mm-hmm. So I trained there up until Purple Belt. Oh, cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. Purple Belt. And then I decided I wanted to increase the intensity a little bit more. Right, right. You know? And so mm-hmm. I decided to go to Marcellos. Right. Uh, but when I went to Marcellos, I didn't go to join. Mm-hmm. I went in. It was Nogi Worlds prior. I said, okay, I'm just going to do one month. Right. Train with those guys and then see how I improve. Right. And then after that one month, I'm like, I can't go back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? It's a different place. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I, yeah. I can't go back because it's, um, it would be a disservice to myself because the level is so high once right. you get up there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no going back yeah definitely so I've been there since and that's how I met you of course right right exactly yeah <laughs> and I think I remember if, if it wasn't your first month there I would see you all the time and you know I trained there for four over four years straight just about and then I and then I took time to train at Master Sky for the past year and a half and then now I'm back there training mm-hmm. again a lot and 
you see a lot of people come and go. True. And especially if you're there a lot. And like, I was always there a decent amount, but then I remember seeing your face pop up all the time. And that's what, like, I would always see you around the gym. And that's, those are the people I always take notice of. Like, you know, like the people who are there, like it's a lot. It's hard not to, because yeah, exactly. we're always there. Exactly, and you're yeah. Right. You're right. And, and that's what I think that just that keep showing up just becomes like one of the most important traits to sort of success. And it's just, even if it's not jujitsu, it's just other things. If you just kind of keep showing up, keep doing it, keep doing it. And, and I always appreciate that trait. So I always kind of saw that in you. I was like, I like this guy. I like that he's here a lot. And, and you know, good attitude and everything. You never know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you don't show up, then you have no chance at all. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's, well, it's you show up, something's gonna happen. Yes. Whether you perceive that thing as good or bad, right. something is gonna happen mm-hmm. because you showed up. Right, right. But when you don't show up, nothing happens. Right. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Whatever happens, you may not perceive it as good or you know, but something does happen. Yeah. And from there, whatever it is, um, you grow. Right, right. So Definitely. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, for sure. So when did when did Focus Brand come into all this? Um, the... Focus Brand. So I started training in two thousand fourteen. Mm-hmm. Now I'm gonna be honest with you, Mark. I, I Focus Brand wasn't supposed to last this long. Oh really? And, uh, oh cool. Yeah. And, um, I, I we started around two thousand fifteen. Uh-huh. I'd say maybe mid or end of two thousand fifteen. Right. Um, I just wanted to make quality products right and then i also wanted to have more a relationship like a, a actual sponsorship relationship with the lower be- uh, lower belts within right. the jiu-jitsu community mm-hmm. because they really don't get much no it's true you know because yeah. um i think um there's a big misconception within the jiu-jitsu community that uh uh, sponsorship is, you know, a, a rash guard, a free rash guard, a free gi, yes, free backpack, yes. And then now that I'm in the business, I know how much those things cost, right? And it's not a sponsorship at all, yeah. <laughs> I, I know how much it costs to make a rash guard, yes, exactly. So yeah. don't tell me you're sponsoring these athletes because you're not, right? Mm-hmm. You're actually benefiting way more. You right, know, giving all the social media exposure. Right, absolutely. And, and then I'm at the point where if I cannot actually sponsor someone, meaning right. that um, providing them with uh, monetary incentive, right, I'm not gonna play it. I'm, you're not getting anything at all. Yeah. If I cannot provide you some money, right, um, I can, I'm not giving you anything. Right. Yeah. I'm not gonna try to fool you. Right. Telling you, yeah, you sponsored. Okay, here's a free hoodie. Here's a free rash guard. Right, um, right. Blow me up on social media. That's exploitation, and I don't like it. Yeah. That, so mm-hmm. that's uh, that was that's the whole. Um, that's how it, it all started. You right. Know, I, I think uh, there are a lot of lower belts who working really hard that actually do not get opportunities at all. Right. Like actual sponsorship opportunities. Mm-hmm. So that's why the whole idea started. Interesting. And then, yeah. It, it, it kept going. Mm. It wasn't really supposed to be around still. Right. But it is. But it is. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason is uh, quality. Yeah. Quality. And integrity, too. Yeah. 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 Quality, integrity. Um, I do all the designs, mm-hmm. everything. I, oh, awesome. I didn't go to design school. I don't know anything about design. Mm-hmm. But um, if it looks good to me, Right. Um, That's awesome. I, I bring it to a couple of my friends whose opinions I trust. Mm-hmm. If it's trash, they'll tell me it's trash. Yeah. <laughs> I go back, right. review it, get mm-hmm. it done over, yeah. and then finalize it. Right, right. Quality product. Um, and then, and because of that, I've taken some losses. Right. And, um, mm-hmm. Finding the right manufacturer can be an issue. Yeah. And uh, I think five months ago, I, I lost... Uh, good deal of money because I wanted to I switch manufacturers because right the new the new manufacturer um, was more timely uh-huh. in terms of providing me uh, services right however the quality was trash oh that sucks you know? yeah and as a new brand uh, you know you're taking a new business endeavor 
you can't serve crap. Yeah. You know, word of mouth is key. Absolutely. You know, so those are losses that you have to eat. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm learning as I go along. Yeah. You know, and, and, and definitely. There are losses associated with that. Right. Absolutely. Know? But um, I'm really proud of the work I've put in. Um, people love the product. Uh, they love the people mm-hmm. behind the product. Yeah. And the process is working. It's working very slowly. Yeah. Nevertheless, it's working. Yeah. yeah. Most good things do work kind of slowly. There you yeah. Go. Slow money is the best. Money. Yeah. <laughs> there was an old saying, fast money don't last money. <laughs> there you go. You're right. That's what it is. You're yeah. Right. You're right. I'm always suspicious of the stuff that comes too yeah. fast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's. I'm glad you, I had no idea of the background of it to that degree. So that's really cool. Thank I, you. I'm really glad that you brought up the point of the sponsorship though, because that's something I had been selling people for years and you know it doesn't mean much necessarily coming from me because I'm just you know a person who participates in jiu-jitsu like in a hardcore casual way but then I'm peripherally involved with it because of like owning a gym and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. but I thought back to when I was a kid I used to skateboard and skateboard companies um, shell out a lot of money like in actual sponsorships to wow. kids like real money and you know back, and this was even going back to like you know, the early 2000s, um, and like people would say, oh, skateboard, it's like a fringe community, almost like jujitsu. Mm-hmm. But no, like I've, I've no, I have lots of friends back home who, you know, them or siblings got sponsored, they turned pro, mm-hmm. and you know, they could afford to pay their rent off of it. Like they weren't like making necessarily like huge sums of money, but you know, it contributed significantly to their. Um, to their life in their ability to go and compete professionally for bigger cash prizes and but they could pay the rent at the same time or they could you know do whatever and then obviously the bigger your profile the more you win the better you are you get you get more money but I said there's no reason that jujitsu isn't the same way that everyone says ah jujitsu people are broke and I'm like no I don't I don't believe that like skateboarding for sure because it was a bunch of kids you would think with no money but there was so much money and now we know Skateboarding is a huge sport. It's probably in the billion dollars now, you know. And jujitsu is—it's definitely exists. So, uh, I've I've told a few young people that before. I was like, don't take just rash guards or or keys or whatever. That's not sponsorship. It's not. No, that's like, hey, that's cool. Here you go. You know. Yeah, and only in jujitsu do I see that, and that's why it's. I think it's unfortunate, but I think it's really cool that your your people like yourself are here to break that and and really kind of come with integrity. And that's, I think that's a big reason why you guys are still around. It's, yeah. I think so too. Yeah. I yeah. think so too. You yeah. Know? But we'll see what happens because the sport is evolving. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So as the sport continues to grow, of course, along with, you know, the, the money is going to come. Yeah. The, the, exactly. the, there's, there's money now. You yeah. Know, the, the big names are making money. Right. But at, at the lower ranks, like uh, the, the purple belts will compete all the time, brown belts, there's really not much. Right. There's really not much in terms of um, finances. Right. You know? Definitely. So a lot of us, you know, those guys, they're hustling. Right. You know, teaching privates. Um, yeah. And, you know, uh, making your own apparel, making your own brand. Right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. T shirts or. or mm-hmm. Or whatever, um, of course, seminars, workshops, right? You know, to help pay for the trips, you know, yeah. to go to Worlds, Pans, wherever the, the competition is at. Right, right, you know? definitely. So, yeah. yeah, no, that's good that there's a. Um, it, I think that it's it's awesome that uh, it's an awesome example. I'll say that to a lot of people that when you can take your all of that into your own hands. So whether it is doing like on a small level, almost anybody can, you know, teach privates or seminars. And I don't, I mean that in a way that like, that's a quick, a good way for you to make money if you can do it to sponsor these things. But if you go a step deeper, if you really want to sort of, I think live the life these days, you sort of have to do like a clothing brand or figure out like, maybe I'll open a gym or maybe I'll do this or that. Or, you know, there's, 
I guess the, the full-time athlete, there's so many different ways to do it these days. And that's, again, one reason I appreciate what you're doing is because you, you're showing an example of one way you can do that. You know, and you don't really even cool. have to be an athlete yeah. just to go outside of jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Like living in New York City, you need to have different yes. hustles. Mm -hmm. You have to diversify 100%. your bonds, right? Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. You got to diversify your bonds. Exactly. Different hustles. It's very true. Yeah. No, this... Uh, People, I've lived here for 10 years, and people always say, like, I mean, I have family from here and whatnot, but uh, there's a certain type of person that, like, comes here and stays here. And I think that's true. true. But, yeah, because, I, I mean, I enjoy it. To me, it's not so much work. There's, there's days where it is work, true. but there's also, most of the time, I like what you said at the beginning, that it's, you really enjoy what you're doing, so it's easy to just kind of stack on that, you know? That it just on, it, when you really like it, you know, it takes out that existential stress because, you know, at its core, for me, the days I have, I have a lot of clients are some of my favorite days. I might be like really tired at the end, but it's the best, you know, that's, right. that's I what know, I'm here to I do. Know exactly what you mean. Yeah. You mean. That's why I'm here. Yeah, definitely. So competitive wise, what, what kind of goals do you set for yourself there? If, if any, in terms of like, do you. Do you want to keep fighting certain super fights? Is it is it a certain um, league or title or something you're kind of after? Or? Honestly, Mark, um, I never had any jujitsu goals. Mm -hmm. um, I train. Mm -hmm. I compete to win. Right. You know, but look, because when I started jujitsu, I didn't even know there was like made like world championships or any of that stuff yeah you know you'll speak to some people who said yeah that was my goal and dream to win worlds right i didn't even know there was a world yeah so i don't have any jiu-jitsu goals uh until i met alex mm -hmm. you know yeah definitely. until i met alex and van and then i started teaching right and then i'm like well i want to be a really really good instructor right um, I may not have uh, like concrete championship goals. Yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. I train and I compete to win. Right. Absolutely. But yeah. I'm not like mm -hmm. you know. Um, I'm flexible. Right. I'm flexible. So you're called more to the instruction side of things. Like that really motivates you. Um. Or yeah. And I, yeah. Like I was saying, I met Alex and Van, mm -hmm. and then um, if someone do have those goals you know to become a world champion or yeah uh, maybe new york open whatever pan am champ yeah i want to be able to help someone achieve that yes, yes. you know mm -hmm. so for myself not really but for my students i want to help them achieve whatever goals they have right um, jujitsu or whatever right so right. it's very interesting because remember I, I don't think I've told you this before. I wasn't looking to teach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just happened. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You know? and, and for me, that, that's been the case. Right. All great things that came into my life mm -hmm. that I was not looking for. Right. You know? It just happened. Alex cornered me, say, you teaching? I said, okay, I'm teaching. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. And then, um, that's it. You mm -hmm. know, I, uh, the students, they're getting better and better. It makes Absolutely. me happy to see that. Definitely. And, you know, I've, I've had people like I've trained with, and then they say, you know what, RC, I want to come. Uh, sometimes I want to do some uh, light training, so I'll come to your gym. And mm -hmm. then I think into my head, it's not going to be light training, yeah. but you're welcome to come down. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and I then know. some of them, they do come down, and then they're like, yeah. It's like, yeah, the kids are... They're crazy here. They're good. Yeah, They're absolutely. So, yeah, that's that's no. my. I would say, I, I guess, uh, my my goal as far as jujitsu is concerned is to be a really good instructor mm -hmm. and to help my students, you know, achieve whatever goals that they have. Right, you know, right. I want I want to push them to their absolute best. Yeah, yeah definitely. Know? I think. Uh, well, that's a the sign of a good teacher, definitely. Um, and if you had someone like Alex pushing you to get into instructing, that's a good thing. I think I said it on the intro to the podcast for him that I consider him to be one of like the consummate 
teachers in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I think he's one yeah. of the one of the best. I mean, I think uh, it only goes up from here for sure. him. And so um, I mean, that's high praise if if like someone at that level of teaching is. It's is like it's interesting to... because Alex never saw me teach or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. for some weird reason he approached me about it. I'm like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's funny. You know, I've sort of been obsessed with like the art of coaching and whatnot yeah. since I was young. Like, cause I I grew up playing hockey. I learned how to skate like not probably not too long after I learned how to walk, honestly. And I learned, you know, I had a stick in my hand, learned how to play, and I I just kept playing like you know through the young years, teenage years, and whatnot. And would get better and better. My mom was like real supportive of it, so. You know, if I needed to get faster, she'd figure out like a camp or something I could go to to help me skate better or whatever it was. And it always worked. It was it was always a great thing. But I remember getting to a level when I was in high school where I started seeing people around me like do certain things really well. And I was Mm. acutely aware that I could not do that. I was like, wow, that's like I can keep up with these guys, but I don't have the hands for this Mm. or I don't have the whatever. And then I began to like piece together the game like well what does a player look like who has the speed the hands the like the the what would you call it like being a general on the ice like the command of the ice yeah like and then that player is that's like that's like player who's like a franchise player and then you have all these different things so I started putting together in my head these teams and like thinking about my own team like who could do what this that and I, I became kind of obsessed with coaching and then that got me into this because I was always fascinated by weight rooms and I was always fascinated by, by gyms and, and I think I hit a certain age. I actually just enjoyed training in the gym more than I liked hockey at a certain point. And uh, just because I saw what it could do to like leverage people both mentally and physically like into a better position in their sport or in their life. It doesn't even have to be a sport, you know? Um, and I think that... I think that, again, like we talked earlier about like certain traits coaches have, and I think that, or, or sorry, excuse me, we talked about um, certain like success traits of sorts, and I think that it's a different way of saying that like people who really enjoy coaching, they, I think they get, they get off more on seeing other people that they're working with doing it than, rather than themselves, but also there's a way of like, you see something in somebody that they might not be able to see yet, and you're just constantly trying to like pull that out of them. And I think that that's sort of the art of coaching, like that's, or or in the art of coaching somewhere. And I think that that gets, and I think sometimes good coaches see that in other people that could pull that out of other people. And maybe that was what Alex was getting onto with you. (laughs) Yeah. When you said that you weren't really initially interested in coaching, is that, has that taken front and center and, and focus and all these other things are sort of kind of conspiring around that? Or is there, is it just kind of all the goal for you? Um, it's, it, it's everything nothing is really like in my life every, nothing is really front and center mm-hmm. everything is given priority ah yes for some reason I'm able to do that mm-hmm. you know right um, yeah everything is given top priority right teaching um, training mm-hmm. actually that's it <laughs> yeah there you go yeah well that's the thing yeah <laughs> that's it yeah um, yeah teaching and training so I'm able to prioritize both at the same time mm-hmm. you know I'm teaching I'm also training with my students right you know I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sparring with them I'm sparring hard right you know, right they're throwing everything at me and I'm throwing everything back at them right and now uh, now they're at the point they're hitting me with my technique yes mm-hmm. you know because now it forces me to get better Mm-hmm. Because when you use it, like for me, I, I play a lot of deep half. Right. Uh, not too many play, people play deep half on me. Right. So I try. I I'm, I, <laughs> so because of that, uh-huh. um, it, I'm always puzzled when mm-hmm. someone, one of my, some of my students put me in deep half. Mm-hmm. I have to defend it. And, right. You know. Right. Right. So they're helping me get better mm-hmm. by exposing me. Right. You know, right. Um, to my own technique mm-hmm. that other people outside of Master Sky right you know um, and then as far as training is concerned I train as much as I can mm-hmm. uh, Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday 
Right. Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Every day, yeah. Now, do you measure your training at all? Like, do you go in saying, like, oh, today's going to be lighter, today's going to be harder, today's um, going to be, or do you do strength conditioning one day or at all, or how do you work no, that? Uh, in terms of m- measurement, uh, mm-hmm. the training for me is uh, at least at least three hours for the day. Mm-hmm. I'm satisfied with at least three hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there are times where I go more. Right. Uh, four to five. Right, but remember, there's a, a drilling included. Right, uh, for me, drilling is is training. Right, absolutely, it, yeah. it helps me so much. Yeah, so uh, minimum three hours per day, I'm happy with. Right, um, there are times uh, if it's two hours, mm-hmm. I make sure I do lift. Right, you know, I lift and then I go to sauna. Right, so oh, cool. I, I supplement my training with some uh, some some weightlifting yeah you know if i can't mm-hmm. do that mm-hmm. uh at the y or new york sports club because i only get free trials i don't have a membership yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as an asteroid you're working out yeah. i just go online right find the free trials and then just go use it for the day right if i can't get the free trial i, I at, at the gym at master Skya, bulgarian bag mm-hmm. kettlebells jump rope right you know i mm-hmm. put the clock on uh, one minute rounds do six to eight rounds cool you know? that's awesome yeah so that's 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 how I've been doing it so mm-hmm. far nice I mean I feel great yeah now I've seen you doing those workouts there before at night over at Master Sky in Brooklyn and um, yeah I'm always curious to hear kind of what people do to kind of keep themselves tuned and and kind of locked in conditioned because I think a lot of times a lot of people some people will ask me how you figure out programs for this athlete or that athlete a lot of times I just listen to them I'm like what do you what's worked for you in the past you know I ask them that and then what didn't you like I think that's the best approach yeah yeah Yeah. and then I usually start there and then figure out of course sometimes you got to do things you don't like but you know there's you know if you didn't like it to a degree where it was probably harmful that's a problem Mm. so yeah that's interesting Um, do you find that you uh, have to change your preparation in terms of uh, like getting ready for the day, how you eat, how you sleep, now that you do this more kind of like full on, like now that you teach more and now that you're training more and um, given that you're doing, you know, anywhere between three and five hours a day. Oh, uh, sleeping is, is of course, um, def- for me it's a must. Right. Uh, it's definitely, I, mu- I must have my sleep. Yeah. So minimum seven hours Mm -hmm. that's minimum right i feel better when i get you know seven seven or more hours right right um as far as diet is concerned it's always been the same yeah it's the haitian diet oh gotcha yeah rice and beans Mm -hmm. you know um i don't do meat as much anymore Mm -hmm. i do meat uh once or twice a week Mm -hmm. you know i it's been the same. People right. ask me all the time, "What do you eat?" Do you yeah, eat this, eat that. It's uh, rice, beans, um, uh, some meat from time to time. Right. Uh, some vegetables, you know, mm-hmm. steamed vegetables. Right. Uh, but it's it's not too complicated. Right. You know, I mm-hmm. I, I uh, burn I burn it off so quickly. Just yeah. training. It's not an issue for me at all. Right, I mean, if you're training with that volume, for sure, it's yeah, just, yeah. yeah. A lot of, lot of fluids, Mark. A yeah, lot oh, of water. Definitely, you know, yeah. A lot of water. That's, that's the, the key, too. Yeah. In terms mm-hmm. of, uh, if I don't have my water, then I just do not perform well. Right. And yeah, I don't perform well. No, it makes sense. So, that's it. Yeah, so it's pretty it's, simple. It's, it's yeah. not too fancy. I don't meal prep. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't meal prep. I don't have the time. Yeah. Or the bread. Yeah. <laughs> so you so, just kind of go. Do you have like you you kind of eat irregularly, or do you eat regu- at regular times? Usually, um, I eat. So I eat. I eat a little bit late because mm-hmm. let's say I wake up. I wake up. I eat after training. Right. So my first meal for the day is usually around three o'clock. Okay. So yeah, you do wait you a know, while. I eat something at three o'clock, mm-hmm. and um, that's. I already probably already have three hours of training in. Yeah. You know, and then mm-hmm. if I decide to have a, another session right. down in Brooklyn at Master Skies, uh, after that session, on my way home, stop at Trader Joe's, mm-hmm. 
get my rice, eggs, beans, right, and then get home around ten o'clock, right, eat that, mm-hmm. you know, throw it all in the rice cooker, right, have a meal, okay. Now it's ten. Um, stay up, watch more jujitsu, <laughs> maybe some anime afterward. Go to bed right. around midnight. Give mm-hmm. the food a little bit of time, right. you know, to go down. Midnight, wake up around nine. Do it all over again. Right. Okay. You know? Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting because the irony is, it's routine, mm-hmm. but it's never the same. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense to you. No, it does. Absolutely, it, it, it makes routine, sense. It's routine, but it's never the same. Yeah. You know. No, I know that feeling because I think about that a lot too because I'm the same way. I have a pretty regimented schedule, but every day is kind of different. You every know? day is like, different. I'm here. I mean, where you, you're, you're in it, like where I am all day, but it's, it's always different people. It's different things. They're working on different things. Like different people come to see me. There's different things going on, even though I might not leave the block a lot. It's yeah. like the same thing. Yeah, I know, I know that feeling. I think there's an embracing of that, that like sort of, contributes to that success too because you, you if you let that beat you down because some people get really beat down by monotony it's mm. like I, I think that's that's being successful in anything though it's true. you have to you have to be able to just kind of dig in and lean into it you know true but I know yeah, I know what you're saying though yeah. I know what you're getting at yeah that's interesting yeah so what kind of would you say were some big um, influences on you both as a martial artist or as a person like what contributed to sort of how you got to where you're where you're at now like to contribute to this mindset to just the, the steadiness that's that's a, <laughs> that's a that's an amazing question um, I think it's I, I can't really pinpoint uh, any specific individuals mm-hmm. um, it's I don't think it, it, it's actually until recently that I've met some people who've actually like influenced my life tremendously, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of, and, and that's because of, you know, where I come from, where I grew up, because I come from Haiti, right. you know. Were you born and, there? Yeah, I was born and raised in Haiti. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have any, anyone I can say, yeah, this person influenced me. Mm-hmm. in that way and in that sense it wasn't until now um, with Alex Van and then of course uh, some of my coaches had MG and some of my training partners at MG mm-hmm. and of course MG himself right I'm talking about Marcelo Garcia yes <laughs> I was just gonna say we'll but, give context um, people will know if they <laughs> I, but I think it's my childhood my background where I come from mm-hmm. you know I think uh that really built me up, mm-hmm. you know, because I, sure. I always tell uh, one of my good friends whenever she's struggling, I always tell her that for me, um, here, I'm, I'm here, I'm in New York, I'm doing all these things. Um, unless I'm sick, mm-hmm. no matter what's happening here, it's an amazing day. Right, you know, as if I was living back home in Haiti. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Right. So, and then, then from that comes the whole uh, no sad stories. Uh, I was gonna ask no you about sad that. story state of mind. Mm-hmm. You know, um, difficulties, the circumstances, they're gonna keep coming. Right. I have absolutely no control over that. Mm-hmm. You know. The sad stories are gonna keep coming. I have right. no control over that either. Yeah. But you know, I may encounter difficulties and right. circumstances, but I do not experience them, mm. which is different. Right. Um, I actually have a choice whether mm. or not I experience the difficulty. Right. Or the sad story. Right. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And this year. Uh, 2019 has been the most amazing year of my life. That's beautiful. And mm-hmm. not much changed except mm-hmm. for the fact that of the way I think. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. So 
no one specific right you know not up until now mm-hmm. you know, I, I got those figures Alex Van yeah some of my coaches at MG MG some of my training partners but um, the big push was where I come from right that was the perspective right I can always compare my life here to my life back home in Haiti mm-hmm. and then be like huh yeah no matter what happened I know I'm eating tonight here <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. I'm gonna eat you know and then and, and, that's, that's yeah. it, you know? It's like, right. it's different. Yes, you know? yes. Definitely. My physiological needs here are always going to be met. Right. So mm-hmm. when my physiological needs are met, you know, food, yes. um, shelter, when those needs are met, I can always focus on actually on, 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 on the things you can't see. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. My confidence, my right. self-esteem. Yeah. Uh, being a self-actualized human being. Right. Uh, when you're living in Haiti, you can't do that if you're hungry. Right. You exactly. know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Physiological needs must be met first. Right. And right. then maybe you can progress up that ladder. Yeah. You know, your self-esteem, your confidence. The hierarchy of needs. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's. Uh, that's. I mean that's that's deep. Right? That's that's a lot to unpack there for sure. But I think um, you weren't ready dude, for that. Were you? Yeah, no, I don't know if I was. Yeah, shit. Yeah, no. But uh, no, but I think that that that's beautiful though. I mean, but that's you know one way of saying the first part of what you said too is like you know you can't control the external factors, just how you react to them. That's that's the number one thing, and I think that that will. I think that that's a huge step sort of to the end of what you were just saying of like that sort of self-actualization being a uh, you know an elevate like of elevated mind or just trying to rise above but it's kind of hard to do that if you like you, you said physiologically <laughs> you know you don't know where you know the next meal is coming from shelter's tough yeah no i think that's i think that's tough that might be tough for people to relate to here but there's also probably a lot of other people who could understand that right just as well you know Absolutely. yeah um no, that's really interesting. I wanted to, I knew that, the, I, I wanted to ask you specifically about the, the tagline, <laughs> no sad stories, because I actually, I see, I see you write that on Instagram or other places and stuff. I'm like, I like that though. Cause like, no matter what is happening, it's like, yeah, who cares? You know, like, like there's all those things, like nobody cares, work harder or, you know, that kind of stuff. But yours is, I don't like those ones cause those are kind of brash or whatever. Yeah, there's like an attitude to them. No yeah. sad stories. It's like, all right, yeah, yeah you're right. But now I'm, you know, it's, 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 it changes you, you know, mm-hmm. cause I'm not just saying it, but you have to live it. Yeah. You know, I, I live it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that no sad stories, uh, the life that I live, I, I live the physical reality of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, things are happening, but uh, mm-hmm. you're not going to know about it. Right. You know, I'm going to greet you with the same smile. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, whether something is happening in my life that I perceive as bad mm-hmm. or something is happening in my life that I perceive as good. It right. does not change my physical reality. Right. You know, I mean, like you said, people say that no one cares, work harder. Mm-hmm. Or people would uh, say like, like hashtag beast mode. Yeah. But they're not living it. No. Yeah. You know? uh, when you internalize it, you live it. Yeah. Then definitely it's, it's powerful. Right. You know, it's powerful. Do you believe kind of in thoughts sort of sort of shaping your reality? Oh, things like that. Yeah. Thoughts are everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Are, yeah. I mean, uh, Mark, this podcast would mm-hmm. not have happened mm-hmm. if you didn't thought about it. Right. The table, the chair, the fridge, the cell phone. Right. Uh, someone had to thought about that. Yeah, absolutely. That's thought, a good point. All the, you know, that's our physical reality is our thoughts yeah. put in physical form. Right, absolutely. You know, thoughts mm-hmm. shape your reality. Absolutely. Um, with that being said, for me, I, I absolutely control my thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Definitely, I don't, yeah. I don't listen to certain things because I don't want that to affect the way I think. I don't yeah. watch the news yeah. because I don't listen to bad news. I don't read the papers. Yeah. 
I don't listen to the sad stories. Yeah. I, I, I shut them out. Yeah. Because it does affect. Right. Oh, absolutely. Thinking. So I heard a great perspective recently that that Instagram, um, what you have on your phone, the news, all these things, they're an example of consumer culture. And like we're very concerned, for instance, about, you know, generally in New York, the East Coast, West Coast, the United States, we generally are concerned about what we put in our bodies. Like there's there's some concern for health. But people don't give enough thought to the phone, the news, the other things. Just because you're not eating it doesn't mean you're not eating it. You know what I mean? Like that, 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 like you said, it creeps in your mind. It introduces the doubt, the fear, the whatever it is. And, that, and that's problematic. It's yeah. actually, it's, it's even more dangerous because you don't notice it. Right. It creeps to your subconscious. Absolutely. I mean, you know cigarette is going to kill you if yeah. you smoke. Mm-hmm. But you don't know that, you know, that... that that, that news you're watching, right. it, it does affect you. Mm-hmm. You know, it seeps to your subconscious. It, it puts fear. You know, fear is big business. Right, you know, absolutely. They sell it. You mm-hmm. know, they sell it, and you buy it whether you want to or not. Right, because it seeps into your subconscious. And definitely. Um, so, I, as much as I am part of you know the, the culture, mm-hmm. um, I, I really monitor what goes in in my in my head right is privacy you know like is becoming less and less so Mm -hmm. the only place you have privacy is is your mind yeah so you really have to guard that oh interesting that's a good perspective you really gotta guard your mind Mm -hmm. and to relate back to teaching um it's for me it's the biggest privilege Mm -hmm. you know because you have people um coming into Master Skya and letting me put things in onto their mind. Mm. You know, it's yeah. a privilege. Absolutely. And it's one that, you know, as an instructor, teacher, you cannot abuse it. You know. Yeah. The teaching is always more important than the teacher. Right. You know, the lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a privilege in that sense. Like people look up to me and allow me to put things into their mind right uh, to shape their jujitsu right even maybe their lives because mm-hmm. you know you take that with you yes wherever you go absolutely so yeah i think that's important for other coaches and teachers to hear too that are maybe new to it also is that you really have to take care of yourself in order to take care of others as hackneyed as that saying is but this is a form of that like you really have to that like you have to control what comes in your mind because it can affect and it will affect what comes out of your mouth in front of your students or in front of your clients and athletes and these types of things yeah yeah that's that's interesting yeah i like that um that's i'm i'm really glad you went down that avenue because I knew there was a lot to unpack there that kind of contributes to your mentality as a person, a teacher, an athlete, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I, the, the mind thing, though, is, is very important. I've even said to, uh, to Alex once, I remember one class, I said to him, I'm going to, like, no matter what, like, no one will pass my guard this class. <laughs> no one will pass my guard this class. It was, it was like a year ago. And, you know, we were in one, it was one of those rounds where you have a group of three. And so you're the same people the whole time. That's really all I cared about. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, if I got swept, it didn't matter. I was like, you're not going to pass the guard. And that was the most tiring jujitsu session I had ever had. But because not physically, physically, it didn't bother me. It's like, I'm I'm in shape for jujitsu. But mentally, I was just beat by the end. And I said to Alex, like, I'm almost embarrassed to say that I feel that that's, mentally getting up to be able to repeat that effort again is, is going to be really hard like but but i'll do it you know but it's that's that's the hard thing and it's lifting big weight too is the same thing like you can never be intimidated by the weight you True. always have to visualize yourself completing the lift or True. just grooving it or just ignoring what's on the bar really you know True. you have to just kind of keep going through it it's there's a lot of synch- synchronicity like True. that it, it doesn't change just uh, depends what sport you play it doesn't matter what sport you play is what i'm trying to say it's uh it's all there you have to always be be visualizing like the execution how you want it to or or that goal and it's that's why i think the mental aspect of these things is important and tough because you just have to keep coming back come back come back you know absolutely absolutely 
Yeah, that's that's really cool. So, what what's next for you? Like, what's uh, I I mean, that seems like a silly question considering <laughs> I, like you just said um, uh, you. Uh, is for me is you just take things day to day to continue doing the same things that I'm doing now, mm -hmm. but even better. Right. You know, even better. Um, train more. Train more efficiently. Right. Um, continue to um, improve my style of teaching um, through feedbacks you know, right. from my students, mm -hmm. um, other coaches, mm -hmm. you know, um, to continue uh, build up Focus Brand, mm -hmm. you know, um, always improve the quality of the products, um, design, yeah, and uh, business. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a businessman, but I'm a hustler. Yeah, <laughs> I think honestly, at the end of the day, that's what's most important. You can learn the other stuff. Yeah, the hustle so, is, in, is so what you have to so have. I'm, so I'm hustling. If I have to take three trains, bring your a hoodie up in Harlem or up in the Bronx, I'm gonna do it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, Mark, to continue doing um, what I'm doing now. But better, more mm -hmm. efficiently, you know. Um, always uh, consider, uh, you know, the needs of my students. What can they be better at? Mm -hmm. You know, right. always uh, taking their feedback into account and improve that. You right. Know? And I joke with Alex that Master Skyers is like a mom and pops mm -hmm. jujitsu. Yeah, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and then uh, and then you have corporate jujitsu, mm -hmm. where yeah, 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 your feedback actually a lot of time you don't even have an option to give feedback. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, so so you know continue taking uh, feedback from my students and and improve right you know, improve mm -hmm. the training environment because mm -hmm. it's important. Yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, my coaching style can be sometimes a little bit intimidating, mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, I'm learning more how to improve the environment mm -hmm. and still maintain the competitive right. element. Yeah, yeah. I see things from a competitive point of view, and right. that's what I do. I train, I compete. Right. So uh, creating a, the, the friendliest, warmest environment. Right. But when it's time to train, when it's time to roll, we're competing. It's competitive. Yeah, you know, definitely. You, you got to give it everything you got. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's where I'm at now. Definitely. You know? Very cool. And going back to school, hopefully. Oh, going nice. Back, yeah, going back to school and, and finish that. That's what do you want to go back to school for? Um, like a, a certain degree, master's, uh, or uh, just um, I'm, I'm still completing. My bachelor's degree in nursing. Oh, cool. So I have two more classes that oh, I, nice. I need to finish. You're so, almost there. So yeah. I want to I wanna get that done. Yeah. You know, I want to get that done. It may take a while, but it's going to be done. Yeah, you know? definitely. So that's, that's where I'm at now. That's great. Everything yeah. else will come, mm -hmm. you know? And Alex and Van are always making plans for me. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, <laughs> so they're always coming to me with new things like, RC, we got something new for you here. And then I'm like, okay, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> the opportunities chase me mm -hmm. and I'm ready. Right. I'm ready. Whatever comes through the door, I just embrace it. Yeah. You know? The opportunities, yeah, they present themselves when you kind of put yourself in the right place. There uh, you go. I think you've there been doing go. a lot of that, so that's awesome. Go. Yeah. Well, the last few minutes here before we kind of cut out, I'll give people the warning. If we'll talk about jujitsu a little bit, so if you're not interested in jujitsu, you could probably turn off from here. But um, one thing you mentioned, I think earlier in the podcast, and definitely when we were talking um, earlier before the we started recording was how you see things changing constantly inside jiu-jitsu. And I think most people who kind of are current with jiu-jitsu would definitely agree with that. But from your standpoint as a teacher, as an athlete, but also someone who's the training partner to some very high-level athletes, I know um, you might not have mentioned it, but um, I, I know you, you train quite a bit with uh, 
uh, Gianni Grippo. That guy's ADCC. a legend. Yeah, he really is. He's <laughs> that, another one who's mentally that, just there that, all that, the time. Yeah. That guy's a legend. Yeah. Training with him is, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but he's rubbing off on me. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> beautiful, yeah. yeah. I think you probably he's rub that, off on each other. He's, yeah, he's rubbing off on me, and I love it. You know, he's a, he's a cool guy. I like Johnny. I like Johnny, and, and uh, he's helping me a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why, but he helps me a lot. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, I think real recognize real with that stuff because, I mean, you gave a beautiful description of what kind of shaped your mentality. And and I think, uh, I don't know him that well, but I've I've been around him for many years now. And I know that he's very persistent, great competitor, good person. Like, it's, you know, that's real recognize real right there. Yeah. But in terms of, oh, sorry, go ahead. And uh, yeah, just to go back in terms of how the game is, is yes. constantly mm-hmm. evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, Mark, uh, this month at Master Skies, the focus is fundamentals. Right. It's fundamentals month. Mm-hmm. And yesterday I taught a class, and then I was talking to my students. I said, the game has evolved so much that the th- like um, the things that were considered advanced five, six years ago mm-hmm. are now fundamentals. Yeah. Um, looking at the juvenile uh, yeah. level. Yeah. You know, not for someone who's an older, com- older white belt who walks in. Right. They're always going to need those core yeah, fundamentals. Yeah. But a juvenile uh, competitor who's been training, mm-hmm. they're barambolowing, they're doing everything that was considered way technically advanced five years ago yeah definitely so it was interesting and then i was telling my students um it's it's gonna it's a little bit challenging because it seems like i'm teaching an advanced technique right but because of how the game has changed so much Mm -hmm. this is fundamentals now yeah absolutely so as the game continues to grow everything is becoming fundamental so yeah that's forcing us right you know as an instructor you got to be in your a game yeah and keeping you know staying ahead of the game learning yeah. always learning right you know updating your curriculum right you know curriculums are great but they can't be set in stones right you have to be flexible right you know i think you spoke to alex about this how and he mentioned you know, it can be a challenge. You set a curriculum for the year, and then turns out, yeah, there's this new hip and cool yeah. trend that all your students want to learn that. Right. And exactly. Now you have to okay, you have to incorporate that. So you have to be flexible with the curriculum. Yeah, you definitely. Know, you have to be flexible with the curriculum. So that's that's you know, and in terms of the game changing, um, everything is becoming. A lot of a lot of it is becoming fundamentals. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, the evolution just keep going. Yeah, and then I guess on your side of the spectrum, you do strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, the athletes of today are trained; they're training differently. Yes, they're absolutely. eating differently. Mm-hmm. Um, they're uh, understanding the importance of sleep. Yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah, um, people used to overdo it and not sleeping that mm-hmm. now i'm certain that you speak to your clients um, about the importance of sleep for recovery oh absolutely and yeah. all that so absolutely it's uh, it's very holistic jiu-jitsu yeah. athletes athletes in all sports are taking a a very holistic approach yeah to whatever sport it is that they do right you know? absolutely that's yeah. how i see the evolution mm-hmm yeah, definitely. I think um, that's one thing I noticed that like when I entered the sport that people, you know, there was some element of strength and conditioning, but not really, you know, and, and even in five years, six years now, it's night and day. People kind of, they if you're competing regularly or professionally or even at like a hardcore amateur level, you kind of know you have to be physically prepared because the people going in are, you know, they're not just doing jujitsu and only jujitsu, you know. True, true. Um, and it's just... Yeah, there's just you can't really get around it. But it doesn't mean that strength and conditioning looks the same for everybody because every person is different, you know. Um, 
like one of one of our mutual friends, Mateus Lutas, you know, Ooh. very strong guy. That guy's that guy's a beast. Yeah, <laughs> he love, is. Yeah, love that guy. <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, I've had the pleasure of training him the past since July, basically, and uh, he's yeah, he's super strong. But I train him very different than I might train somebody who strength isn't there, but maybe their gas tank is. You know, True. it's very different. You know. Um, that's that's interesting though the point that you make about the fundamentals though becoming like wider you know the base becomes wider yeah. you kind of have to know Barambola you kind of have to understand these different things um, do you think there's any um, b- benefit to like sticking to a system of like a game you know but then you have to learn sort of how to deal with everything or do you think it's better to maybe this is not the greatest way to ask this question or do you find a lot of uh, benefit in having people play a lot of different games? It's you actually you, you asked the question perfect. Um, I'm gonna use myself as as an example. Um, I have a game. I have a go-to game. Mm-hmm. Um, now because I have that game, mm-hmm. I'm actually more comfortable right. exploring different options. Right. You know. That's a good. And then question. when it doesn't yeah. work out, guess mm. what? I always go back to the A game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I have an A game, I'm more confident um, uh, dipping my toes, you know, right. in different areas, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. So I, I do believe you should have that ace in your sleeve. Yeah. You know, you should mm-hmm. have that. And then if you look at the, some of the, the top competitors, they all like that. Yeah. They have, they have something they do really that well they are uh, snipers at it yeah you know they're, they're like snipers at it they're gonna persist and they're gonna get it yeah Bernardo Faria for example yes exactly you yeah mm-hmm. he's gonna use that over under pass yeah you know it's coming but he's, you yeah. know it's coming yeah he's gonna find right that half guard deep half sweep you mm-hmm. to over under right so he traps you within that circle right and there's no escape from that right you know now, also, I think in terms of maybe uh, doing seminars and workshops, it's great to have that system. Yeah. It's so much easier to teach, you mm-hmm. know? Right. And, um, but with that being said, it's also okay if you're a general practitioner. Yeah. You do a little bit of everything. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. But... It's important to have an ace in your sleeve. Yeah. When things start, you know, when, I, when I'm starting to lose control within a training situation or out competing, whatever, it's all, it always comes back to deep half. Right. I always come back to deep half, mm-hmm. you know. Right. So that's, that's the ace in my sleeve. Right, right. Because I'm so comfortable there, now I'm allow myself to be more open. Right, right. To... Uh, Maybe uh, today I'm gonna drill barren balls. Yeah, you know, I'm mm-hmm. familiar with it. Right. You know? I'm mm-hmm. not gonna be Mikey Musumeci mm-hmm. in terms of barren balls. Right. But I recognize yeah. where to put my hands. Yeah. You know how exactly. to spin under mm-hmm. where my head should be. Right. You know, it's not too. It's not foreign to you. Yeah, definitely. Do you think? Um, do you think that there's gonna be a time or? I mean, jujitsu to me it seems like it always keeps eating itself. Like it always just, you know, one one trend builds on another, builds on another, gets slammed by another, and then something builds on that and that and that. And um, do you do you see? Do you, have you recognized a cycle in your career so far, or do you? Do you, where do you see it going? I guess I should ask. Honestly, uh, Mark, I don't think I've been in the game that long to answer that question. I really don't know. Yeah. I do not know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's next. Right. Because when I first started, Baron Bolo was the thing. Yeah, I remember. Baron yeah. Bolo was mm-hmm. king. Like 2014. Yeah. It was Baron Bolo's. Yeah. And then, you know, um, it, and then it become lapel. Yeah. Like worm guard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that was, that was a thing for a long time. Right. And um, I'm not sure what was after that. But yeah. And then, of course, uh, ADCC and then 
it's he looks yeah you know yeah he that looks, i remember ebi1 so. and metamorris it was just leg lock after leg lock yeah, and all yeah. of a sudden that became like the order of the day you it's know? interesting yeah. <laughs> because the game it uh, just have a tendency to go from one end of the spectrum yeah completely the opposite yes yeah you know because uh was it Dean Lister that says, why would you ignore 50% of the body? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, with the leg lock trend, they're ignoring 50% the other, of the... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, yeah. Everyone's ignoring the yeah. 50% of the upper body. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah. So it's really interesting. It's yeah. really interesting. The pendulum but, swings both ways. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> now, to go back to fundamentals, it always goes back to fundamentals. Yeah. Really after, does, the trend, yeah. after the trend is, is gone, it always goes back to fundamentals. Can you pass the guard? Yeah. How long can you maintain the guard? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. can you sweep? Right. You know, can mm-hmm. you maintain the back control? Can you maintain mount? Right. Side control? Yeah. It mm-hmm. always goes back to the fundamentals at right. the end of the day, you know. Definitely, yeah. Trends come and goes. Fundamentals is forever. Yes. You know. I, yeah, I, I believe that too. Yeah. Well, I think... Uh, I think that's a good place to end it. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's an amazing place. Yeah. To end it. <laughs> Definitely. So, uh, anything in closing you'd like to share, or where people can find you? Um, in closing, I would like to thank you, Mark. You know, thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Um, of course, uh, if anyone wants um, strength and conditioning, or well, I don't know what else Mark does, but <laughs> he's located at uh, West Twenty Nine. Uh, 231 West 29, 5th floor, room 508. You can always check them out. You can find me on Instagram. It's my first name, Roofchild, R-O-O-T-H-C-H-I-L-D. And then, of course, Focus Brand, you can find on Instagram as well. That's Focus, B-R-A-N-D-I-N-T. You know, um, follow us on Instagram, comment, like whatever you do messages you know we can um, we'd love to get in touch with the community awesome you know and thank you so much mark absolutely it, thank you yeah thanks for coming and we'll do it again soon absolutely awesome thanks dude